One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Or routine. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. My name is Lucas, and I am the founder of Ergogenic Health. Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting-edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today's discussion will be centered around how light can impact the quality of your health. And my guest on the show today is the founder and CEO of a premier global brand for blue and artificial light blocking products. He promotes and educates the science behind modern phenomena such as digital eye strain, poor sleep, and the connection these have with screen overuse. Through his innovative product range, he champions eye health, sleep quality, and well-being. Daniel Ebert, welcome to the show. Awesome to be here, Lucas. I'm really, really keen to be able to share some of my knowledge with your audience. Awesome, awesome. So maybe, Daniel, did you want to let my listeners know a little bit about your journey and I guess how you got fascinated into how light impacts health? Yeah, sure. For me, it started quite a while ago. So we're talking about eight years ago. I was just starting out my career in IT. And yeah, back then, I always considered myself quite a healthy person, really took health first. Fitness was big for me, competing in powerlifting. Mm. And very quickly into my into my career into IT, I started to get quite severe insomnia and really bad migraines. And I kind of did the um, what most people would do, you'd go to your GP and and try and get some answers and get some things to help and um, ultimately lead me down a path of actually making things worse. They prescribed me a whole bunch of different like medications like antipsychotics, antidepressants, things like just literally trying to help with the insomnia. But yeah, so after many failed attempts and just honestly getting feeling worse and worse, I fired my GP is what I like to say and um, really just started to do some 
deep dive into trying to work out what's changed in my environment to cause this because obviously there has to be some sort of trigger like I've considered myself a really healthy person was sleeping well had good energy was really breaking records in the gym and stuff and then I came across the work of a neurosurgeon in the US called Dr. Jack Cruz and um yeah, he was really big about talking about how light can impact our circadian rhythms and how, how light ultimately is responsible for many biological processes in the body. And that kind of was like a little bit of a light bulb moment where I was like, hmm, okay, I'm now working indoors under artificial lighting on screens all day. And then I would also have to, then I would go from work. So inside all day, then to the gym under artificial light there, train, and then I'd come home and then work out of hours to do like IT changes. So I was kind of just like bouncing around all these artificial light environments and not really getting any natural light at all. And back then, so this, you know, eight years ago, there wasn't really much around the discussions around artificial light and how it can potentially be impacting our health. But I decided that I was going to just try and find a pair of glasses that could mitigate most of the blue light. And there was a pair of like safety glasses brand I found in the US and these big welding glasses sort of thing. Um, so I imported them in and started wearing them, even put them on in the office and stuff. And people were just like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, you know, I was only like a, my first year there and like people were just like, this guy's nuts. Eh? Like this, yeah. this Kiwi's come over here and he's um, <laughs> wearing these weird glasses. And, but it was quite remarkable within the space of like a couple of weeks, I just turned my sleep around, migraines started to reduce and the turnaround of my health, it took a number of months, but there was a number of months of actually destroying my health. So my hormonal health really started to suffer from the lack of sleep. And so that led to like gut dysfunction and essentially the body started breaking down. So the reverse of that took a while, but to me, it was such a profound like yeah. Um, effect from something so simple, right? Like all these prescription drugs that I had tried and everything was ultimately trying to band-aid this problem, which made it worse. And then, so from there, I was just like, I was like hooked on the subject. I couldn't like keep it to myself, like, because it was quite a bit of like pain and suffering to go through. So I was like, how can I actually help other people? So I just started importing those glasses and selling them eight years ago, like just slapped up wow. a website and was just like, people have got to know about this. Yeah, so fast forward like eight years and obviously we've come a long way from the, the welding glasses to um to really just being like looking at light in general and how we're utilizing artificial light in our environments and, and really trying to understand how we can like merge technology and health together because ultimately I don't think we can say like turn off all tech, don't have any lights on your home, you know, and stay outside all day because it's not practical. So it's about finding ways to get the most out of technology without it harming our health. And that's kind of what we do today. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, Daniel, because uh, I actually remember when I first found out about the blue blockers, I think the brand that I was using was the Uvex brand. They yep. just absolutely atrocious. But I remember <laughs> the, the impact that it had immediately on my sleep quality. Until this day, like I'm still wearing blue blockers every single night. And yeah. there's a reason for that. It's because I've seen the data on my aura ring. I've seen the data on my bio strap. And time and time again, wearing blue blockers significantly improves not only my sleep quality, but also like ability to fall asleep. So getting tired at the right times. So let's dive deep into, I guess, the different types of blue blockers out there on the market. You have ones that are like, they barely have any tint. So they have no orange look. Do you have other ones that are crystal clear, but they still say that they block blue lights? Maybe let's dive deep into those. 
Yeah. So obviously the issue we, we face today is um, the blue blocking industry has become a little bit of a fad where people have jumped on the bandwagon because they think they can make a quick buck. And um, un- unfortunately when that happens, there's a lot of people that will just will sell anything and say, make any claims around them because, and people will sort of jump on and buy it. Right. So you can buy, you know, glasses as cheap as like $10 on Amazon and they'll, they'll say they're blue light glasses. Um, so yeah, it's, it really, really comes down to first of all, understanding um, the types of light we want to be exposed to at different times of the day. So there's not a, like a one size fits all here. And, um, and so yeah, the most common things you'll find on the market are like uh, these clear lens glasses. So they almost look like normal, just a normal set of glasses and they'll have a reflective coating on the outside. And when you kind of hold it up to light, you'll see kind of blue reflecting off it. And that's a very basic coating that's put on glasses. And unfortunately, that doesn't do a hell of a lot. It does actually it does actually filter out some blue light or reflect it off the lens. Yeah. But unfortunately, that technology will only filter or reflect off blue light in the lower part of the spectrum. So when you measure blue light, you can it, it ranges from 400 nanometers through to 500. Now, um, for, um, most of the artificial lighting we're getting exposed to during the day um, from our screens and LED lighting and our phones has a really, really large and narrow spike of blue light around 455 nanometers. So that's actually what's doing the most damage to our eyes, and that's actually what we're getting far too much intense um, narrow bandwidth of blue light from. So that's really what we need to focus on. Now, unfortunately, those reflective coatings can only filter up to about 420 or 430 nanometers. Wow. And so a lot, and it's, it's really tricky with marketing because you could come out and say, these block or filter 50% of blue light and then put in, in an asterisk up to 430 nanometers. Wow. So the reality of that is, is your exposure to artificial light from 400 to 430 nanometers it's very little. There's very little coming off screens, not even not to an effect that would actually be harming you. Right. So when it comes to, and this is around daytime, we're specifically talking about, because what's happening during the daytime is we're indoors a lot. Um, we're getting, we're not getting full spectrum light. So the sun is full spectrum. There's blue in there, plenty of blue, but it's all balanced. It's balanced with all the other colors of the rainbow, plus your infrared and your, and your UV. And so that's what we call full spectrum light. And a lot of the arguments people will say is like blue light cereal is not bad for you, and that's and that's true in context, right? It's not bad for you when it's and it's com- in complete balance. But when you come indoors and you strip out all all of the infrared and all the reds, and then you just get a very narrow bandwidth of blue, high energy, um, visible light, that's when it becomes a problem, and that's when it's not balanced with all the reds and the regeneration and healing wavelengths to balance out the more um um you know, damaging oxidation wavelengths of blue. So when you put all those into your eyes in a, a short, narrow bandwidth, that's when it starts to cause problems. So really what the daytime is about is lowering that exposure of this of intense blue light down to more kind of, more, I wouldn't say natural levels, but more, a lower level where it's not having such a detrimental impact. So really what that's about is lowering the 455 nanometer spike. And ideally you need to bring that down by 50% at a minimum um and then you can't do that with a clear lens so it's not possible not possible with a clear lens to actually block the harmful 
perspective. Right. So, yeah, there's there's all ranges of so most of the common ones you'll find. Even optometrists will sell like a like a filter. You want a filter with your th- thing? If you query them and go, cool, well, yeah, I'll have your fifty dollar add on of this filter. You ask them how much is it filtering and what wavelengths, and they'll kind of just give you a blank look and go, it's a blue light filter. So, <laughs> which is which then people go, oh, perfect. I'm protected from the blue light, which the reality is unless you can get a like a light spectrum report or something to actually, it shows an analytical like data of exactly what's being filtered. So if you're buying a set, a company should be able to provide that to you. So you can, well, they should have that on record because they should know what they're selling. And then you should be able to look at that and look exactly at what wavelengths are filtered down and by what percentage. Mm. Um, so we do have a clearish looking lens. I say clearish because it's not clear. So um, we actually embed special melanin pigments inside the lens. And so what that does is it's not reflecting off with the coating. We do put that coating on there and it does, it reflects that lower portion that like I talked about. But to get from the 433 to around the 455, it's actually absorbing the light and the pigment as it as it passes through the lens. Right. So, and so that's actually a completely different technology, which is a lot more specialized to, to actually create. So that's um, what we do. And like, it's not, it's not crystal clear. So like, like if I have them on, I actually got a set of yellow ones on at the moment, but if I had a set of clear ones on, they would look clear, but they're actually, if you held them up to like a bit of white, it would make it off white a little bit. Mm. And that's kind of how you know there's some pigment inside there that's actually absorbing light as it passes through before it hits your eyes. Interesting. What about as far as like, let's say for a typical customer, like how would they ever know? Uh, like, is there a blue light they can shine? <laughs> I'm going to sort of break that down. Yeah, that's a good one. The blue light pen test. So I've seen that heaps of times. So even these like cheap ones, they'll, they'll give you a little laser pointer yeah. with the glasses and they're like, cool, what you want to do is, you know, you put a bit of white paper behind it. And then you shine the blue light at the lens and it doesn't come out the other side. And they're like, see, look, it must, it, you know, here's a blue light pen, laser pen, and you can shine it at my lens. It doesn't come through. Shine it at another lens and it goes straight through. And you must be like, yeah, I, I kind of saw that and I was like, I need to work this out because that, like, from a physics point of view, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I've, I've actually got, like, a, a lab-grade spectrometer, which I can actually test spectrums of any emitting light source and work out exactly what it's doing. Um, so I, I actually ordered a pair and got got the pen and 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 tested it and it's actually quite funny because it's actually emitting violet light. <laughs> it's not really? blue light, yeah. So because blue and violet can look very similar to the to the eye, right? So it's actually emitting right down in the high three like three eighty to four to like to four hundred nanometers, just over four hundred, slightly into the blue. Um, so great little marketing tactic because people will see that and they're, oh my god, look, it's blocking it all. But yeah, the reality it's blocking violet, which you're not being exposed to violet light indoors from your um, digital devices at all. So um, again, great little, <laughs> great little marketing tactic. But for the for the for the in person, like I know it's a really the, the clear lenses or the daytime lenses are really hard one to navigate. There's no there like unless you're going to go out and fork out like four grand for a spectrometer. And that's the that's the gold standard on testing these things. So the first thing you want to do is um, the company you're buying it from, ask them for a spectrum report. Like they should have one. It should be a verified one, not just some graphical graph they've made up for their website, which, you know, you can you could create in Canva. Um, it needs to be a verified one from a proper spectrometer. 
Hmm. Um, so that's 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 generally the the best way. Like, and if they can't provide it, it's it's a bit of a red flag already. Um, but yeah, the nighttime glasses are a bit easier to test because they block 100% of blue light. So if you can see blue light through them, e.g., you know, if you can look at a, a emitting light source that's blue, it shouldn't appear blue. <laughs> if it does, then that's a problem as well. Mm. So then I guess, Daniel, let's look at some of the um, stealth sources of blue light, perhaps like outside of just your typical computer screen in, in a house, typical household that people should be aware of. Yep. Yeah, so a lot of people kind of relate or we'll kind of have some idea that potentially their phones and computer screens are uh, uh, main sources of their blue light exposure at night. And they kind of, a lot of people kind of catching on that it's potentially not the best thing to be on these things at night before bed and it may affect your sleep, which is true. But the biggest actually exposure we get is all our lighting in our home or just our overhead lighting. Um, so it didn't used to be as much of a problem as it is today. So most of us um, in the typical residential home used to have incandescent or halogen lighting was the kind of the standard up until about five years ago. And there was a big switch where for sustainability and energy efficiency, there's a big push to get rid of the incandescent and halogen on the basis that it was not energy efficient and they weren't long life. Therefore, it was unsustainable you know, for, for the environment or having an impact on the environment. So there was a shift to, to move everything into LED lighting. And the big issue with that from a from a, the type of lighted output, so an incandescent or a heat source light, so they actually produce infrared light and they're, they're, they're producing from heat because they've got a filament inside them that heats up and produces the light. A heat source light has very low amounts of blue light in it mm. and it has a very, very high amounts of red, infrared and orange in them, which is actually not a bad light source to be exposed to at night. Not mm. perfect, certainly not perfect because it's still got green and blue in it, but when you compare that to the LED spectrum, they're very, very different. There's a very um, prominent spike in that 455 nanometer blue light. And then it's very actually void of any red. It's, it's almost a non-existent. So what happened is everyone started swapping out the light bulbs in their home to, the, to be more energy efficient, which has been a big push through governments to, to try and even outlaw um, the incandescent. But the one thing that they haven't really taken into account is like, cool, we're doing a great thing for the planet, but we're actually destroying our health and, <laughs> you know, along the way, which is, yeah, it just blows my mind that it's been completely, um, you know, disregarded completely. Um, and you'll see like this lighting has infiltrated our lives everywhere. So it's not only in our homes, it's in our street lights, our car lights, our signs. It's just, it's, it's everywhere. Mm. Um. So that honestly is probably one of the one of the biggest things that's probably affecting people's artificial light exposure. Um, mm. Yeah, and the screens and the lights and the phones and stuff certainly that they are a problem. Yeah, but the th- the fact is that no one lives in the dark and they all turn their lights on at night. The sun sets, all those lights come on, all those lights come on, and what that's doing is essentially telling your brain it's the middle of the day still. It has no idea the difference because of that intense amount of blue light. Your brain is wired to receive that and, and consider that as midday sun. Yeah. Now you sort of, um, I guess then from a practical standpoint, like what can people do? Obviously wearing blue blockers is highly beneficial um, at nighttime, but then what about like actually replacing globes and swapping out lights and maybe using little red um, 
office desk lights? Like, do you want to sort of expand upon what is the best practice for evening light use? Yeah, so um, a while ago, a number of years ago, about three years ago, you know, we've been selling the glasses for a while and I kind of started thinking about what we were doing with the glasses, which was really trying to filter out these harmful light sources that we've been exposed to. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, what happens if we were able to stop them at the source? Mm. So like not saying that we completely um, negate the need for the glasses because the devices and stuff are still in our lives. And But if we could eliminate that biggest source, everyone in the home benefits. You don't need to wear glasses and everyone. And so, yeah, we've, what we've done is developed a whole suite of different lighting products that can literally be used throughout the whole home. So from your overhead lighting, from recessed down lights to light bulbs, but then thinking about other ways we use lights, like bedside lamps, um, getting up in the night to go to the toilet, so like motion sensor lights, um, and really just coming up with certain ways we can actually swap out these other light sources for ones that actually have the blue light removed. Um, and because, yeah, it's, it's, you could sit here and you could do, I don't know, a room and all that, but, and you get all those benefits, but then, then you just go and switch on a light here or something here. It's like, it almost like undoes, does itself. And it's like, you kind of need to look at your, your environment and your lifestyle and then try and like design your lighting around that. Yeah. Interesting that you said that actually, it reminds me of like, for example, um, people that wake up during the night to go to the toilet and they flick on that light, I'd imagine that immediate, just by even without looking directly into the light that comes on in the bathroom, even just by it reflecting off the walls and, for example, even if they're just like doing their best to avoid direct exposure, that would still compromise That would still compromise melatonin production, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's Because it, it's... Not only that, you would still get that exposure into the eyes. There's actually research to show that skin exposure to blue light is also a problem. So, um, and it's actually quite recent research that's come out. So, yeah, um, in the early 2000s, they actually discovered that um, within the eye, you know, there's more than visual perceptors for sight. So that's when they discovered that there was actually um, what they call melanopsin receptors in the eye, which actually um, are activated from, from blue light which goes straight into the brain and tells the brain that essentially that it's daytime to to elevate your um, cortisol and stress hormones or wakefulness hormones and keep um, any um, hormones that are responsible for more winding you down and allowing you to sleep suppressed. Um, but actually, yeah, just I think like 2007, they discovered those same receptors, melanopsin receptors, that they are present in the skin as well. So your skin actually is... Um, influencing your circadian clock to some degree. So um, wearing glasses is not the only solution, really. If, if Yeah, the eyes are obviously the biggest, they are the strongest um, signal because these are, it's a very short distance from the back of your eye through the optic nerve into the brain, mm. which is what's actually controlling your, your master clock of the body, controlling mm. your day-night cycles and your hormonal profile around that. So, yeah, so it, it does need to, come into account when you're looking at your exposure to light to go, well, I've got glasses on, but what, what about the rest of my body? What's, what's, what's the exposure happening there? In addition to that, we can also look at, I guess, um, with office lighting and uh, typical like fluorescent lighting, even maybe like classrooms and schools, 
Um, I'd imagine because I think I've seen some research on how these can impact like cortisol bioregulation and things like that. Um, what do we know about some of the dangers associated with like fluorescent lighting in particular? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of problems with fluorescent lighting. Um, so it, it it is the unnatural spectrum is is one of them. So mm-hmm. it's it's not the same as LED, but it's a very when you actually see a, a graph of that spectrum, it's got big spikes in blue and green, and it's kind of it's a very disjointed spectrum. But there's actually two other issues um, with more prominent in a fluorescent light as well. So is flicker. So flicker is a big one. And what flicker is, is it's essentially um, the light is turning off and on very quickly based on the current, uh, our AC power current at 60 hertz. So what that is, is um, AC power is is alternating current. So it's actually pulsing power, which is which is just mains power. That's how it runs into our homes. And the issue with a fluorescent or even an LED is when it's receiving power, it's on, and when it's not receiving it, it's off. Versus the heat source lighting, lighting like incandescents and halogens, they're a heated filament. So when it's, it's pulsing power, well, the filament doesn't have enough time to reduce its heat and turn off. So it, it's not really susceptible to the same sort of flicker. And so what that flicker does is, well, you can't visually see it. Well, sometimes you can, it's that bad, but even though you visually can't see it, um, your nervous system is is actually picking up on that that flicker at that very high rate. It, it's around, it's turning off and on about 120 times a second, and that's causing neurological stress on the brain because it's sitting there trying to process a flickering light. So in nature, there's no such thing as a flickering light. It's a direct current light source. The sun is constantly producing light. It's not turning off and on very quickly. Um, so a huge stress on the brain, which in turn overworks the brain, leads to the headaches, brain fog fatigue um so you combine that with the spectrum as well which also creates eye strain headaches so now you've got those two things in combination it's just like a recipe for for disaster but there's also one more thing that's actually an issue with the fluorescent lighting as well and it's um it's more on the like um electromagnetic fields that are coming off it so we're not talking wi-fi or rf radiation uh we're talking the there's, there's three main issues around EMF. It's it's dirty electricity. The current is coming in. It's been manipulated through a transformer to produce electricity to the light. That manipulation causes the current to, to essentially emit quite a large field around it, which is actually um, detrimental to our cells. So, and then you've got electric and magnetic fields also off that. So fluorescent lighting is really, really bad for that. Mm. So, um yeah, there's a lot of research around what EMFs or EMF exposure, low-level exposure, constant exposure does do to our health. So there's three main issues with with the fluorescent lighting that we're constantly, most people are under during in an office or a workplace. Mm. Um, those three issues do exist with LED lighting in a similar way as well. Mm. When, it, when it comes to the flicker, um, does that also apply with like computer screens as well or... And how do you how do you go about like um, optimizing your computer screen to minimize uh, blue light exposure? Yep. So anything it, flicker is a problem with any LED light source that's plugged into mains power. So it's not an issue with a phone because it's a direct current source from a battery. Anything mm-hmm. battery powered is um, direct current, but a screen off a computer, for example, will have flicker. And so you'll see um, 
So there's there's two things you can do to, to mitigate that. So um, you can look at the specification of the monitor you're buying. Um, there is now the the higher the hertz at at is these flicker free monitors essentially they've created at a high, wow. much higher frequency so high that there is no really detectable flicker for the brain um, and these are generally typically advertised as like gaming monitors or for gamers because it allows motion to be seen on the a screen a lot better so i have a gaming monitor but i never do gaming on it um so that, that's that's the that's the ultimate way is getting the right hardware um, mm-hmm. The second way is there is there is a piece of software that you can run on your screen called Iris Tech, mm-hmm. and that's designed not only to change the spectrum colors coming off off the monitor to to lower the blue light spectrum down, and you completely can change it to change with the different times of the day. But it's also got technology in it that lowers the the effect of the flicker at the same time because mm-hmm. when you lower or, or dim a screen or alter it, it can increase the flicker. So there are other blue blocking software out there that doesn't actually do the the way it's actually altering the color actually can actually make the flicker worse so that those are the two best ways to mitigate that effect off your screens yeah awesome yep when it comes to like um daytime versus i guess like nighttime glasses um let's maybe look at it from i guess um what are the most potent blue blocking glasses i'd imagine they like have a pretty strong like red tint or tone to it versus like a typical day pair that you might want to wear during the day like the ones you're wearing now you want to sort of break down the differences between those yeah yeah absolutely so that this is a kind of a common question is around like the day versus night and can i have a pair that i can use for both or and you know that that's where like it really comes down to there are various separate classes for different reasons. So we've kind of covered the, the the issue with the daytime and trying to lower that exposure down. The key with that is like you can't block all the blue light during the day. If you put on a set of night blockers and blocked 100% of blue light during the day, um, you would get no blue light in your eyes. You're essentially telling your brain it's nighttime in the middle of the day. And a lot of people, honestly, a lot of people think that that's what they can do. And I'm like, you're actually going to make things worse because – wow you're going to start creating a circadian rhythm mismatch where your brain starts thinking it's nighttime during the day. So then when it gets to nighttime, it's like, but hold on a minute. It was nighttime like five hours ago. I started all these biological processes around hormonal release and stuff earlier in the day. And it's designed to work off a 24 hour cycle or thereabouts. Um, So yeah, you've got to be careful with that because blue light during the day, we need the right amounts of it because that actually helps with our um, energy, mood regulation. Um, so what it does is it uh, serotonin and dopamine are two neurotransmitters, uh, which are heavily um, modulated from exposure, not only to blue light, but full spectrum light, but blue light is a very, very key element of that. So if you completely remove that spectrum, you're going to start over. Uh, you might get some instant relief for your eyes, but over time you're going to start seeing um, energy problems, mood problems start to creep in which is then ultimately you've made your house worth off, worse off. So really at nighttime, these are, once the sun goes down, you really need to block 100% of it. Now, it's not only 100% of blue light. There's a key piece of research that came out and it looked at all spectrums of light and melatonin suppression. And it looked at all the different frequencies to work out exactly what frequencies would suppress your melatonin. And what it actually showed was it was all light from 400 right through to 550 nanometers. Wow. So blue light actually finishes at 500 nanometers and the green light spectrum has started. So green light goes from 
500 to 580. So it's not all of the green light spectrum, but it's about 70% of the green light spectrum. Now it's to a lesser degree, like it's a big bell curve. So the actual peak melatonin disruption happens around the 460 nanometer mark. So it's around the mid of the blue, and then it's a downward curve from there, but there's still a large portion of suppression happening in the green light zone. So if you're wanting to be completely optimal at night, to allow your brain to understand that it is nighttime, how you would in nature, you really need to block all the blue light and the green light up to the 550 nanometer mark. Now that actually looks like, in terms of a lens, it, it really starts to alter the, the lens color to, to actually start stripping out those colors of white. So it is a more of a darker orange red lens that you'd be wearing at nighttime to, to reduce those, those wavelengths out. Mm. Um, there are like we we offer solutions where it's maybe not as intense. Like we have a lighter amber lens, which will completely eliminate just the blue spectrum, because um, yeah, like going down to the more intense red one, it just makes things a little bit more like color perception is a little bit harder. Some people maybe not like hardcore biohackers that are looking for like the nth degree of like that last little percentage of like optimal. Um, so so like there are solutions, but ultimately. At a minimum, it should still be blocking 100% of blue light. And again, it's not just a matter of getting an amber lens. It's getting one that's been verified. You've got a spectrum report. Now, there are some little um, hacks that you can do with like online tools. So we've written a blog post on this actually. Like, And there's like, you know, you can get these two colored squares you can look at through your glasses and the blue one should turn black. Like they should look the same. And there's like a little um, color wheel test. So ultimately what it's doing is it's, because what should happen to blue colors through through 100% blue blocking glasses is that blue should turn into like a dark gray or a black. So you shouldn't, if you can see blue through your blue blocking glasses, there's a problem. Um, mm. <clears throat> and and because the issue is, is even like, say you're like, you've got a set of 95% blue blocking glasses, that 5% of blue light coming through. Well, first of all, what's, what is the spectrum? Is it that 460 nanometers where it's that peak? Is it 5% at that? Now, that's enough to essentially start that trigger in the brain and tell the brain and go right into the pineal gland where your melatonin is released and actually stop that, stop that from being released. Mm. So it's, it's a matter of like telling, ensuring the brain is getting the correct light signals at the correct um, time of night. So it understands that it's nighttime. Mm. So that's why it's really key for the, for that hundred percent. Yeah. You've done a really good job at it, uh, breaking that down because it, it can get very confusing for people to understand the different wavelengths. I want to also mention uh, something that I've always really enforced. And that is like, um, I say good sleep starts the moment you wake up. And the reason I say this is because I'm sure you do the same thing you probably go outside and you try and get sunlight on your face um, or expose yourself, not behind a window. You want to go outside and expose yourself to the sun. Do you want to sort of explain, you know, what does your morning routine look similar um, and, and what are the benefits of doing that? Yeah. Yeah. You, you've nailed it. So the, the morning is yeah, what you do during the day is actually more is just as important as what you do at nighttime. Mm. So you can't, you can't just do one or the other to get the results. And yeah, that, that's the key is getting up in the morning and getting that natural exposure of light. Um, Cause what that does is actually it, it anchors your circadian rhythm. It tells your brain it's the daytime. 
tells it to lower your melatonin and increase your wakefulness hormones. So if you do that consistently every morning, you're anchoring that 24-hour cycle so it can get into a rhythm. Yeah. And that's because that's that's essentially why <laughs> circadian is about a day and then rhythm. So it's about a day rhythm is actually what that means. Now, what you do during the daytime, <laughs> like when I say that, sets you up for how well you sleep at nighttime. The way we actually make melatonin is not through the absence of blue light. So at nighttime, when we remove all the blue light from our environment, what that actually does is it triggers a conversion process from serotonin into melatonin. So you actually got to go up that ladder and go, well, how do we, how do we get high levels or, or adequate levels of serotonin? So that's actually, what you, that's actually getting natural light exposure during the day. Mm. Um, so one of the key aspects of serotonin is being, being produced as blue light, but also near infrared light. So near infrared light is the spectrum that's produced by the sun near infrared, near infrared light coming into the skin will increase your serotonin levels. So you've got to get your, so what you do during the day, getting lots of natural light exposure, lots of infrared light exposure is going to increase your dopamine serotonin, make you feel good, give you lots of energy, but then when you then come to nighttime, the sun sets, you block all the blue light, that serotonin levels that you built up all during the day will now convert into melatonin. So we, mm-hmm. we have lots of, we've had plenty of customers that come to us. I've bought your blockers. I've done all everything and it's not working. Like I just still can't sleep. And then it's like, okay, well, what are you actually doing during the daytime? Mm-hmm. That's where you start to unravel things and like, well, I'm just in a dark room in my office all day. I'm never getting outside. And it's like, well, that's your problem. Like you yeah. can block, you can block all the blue light and do everything perfect at night. Yeah, you're still going to have low melatonin if you don't have the raw material to create melatonin. Yeah, that's that's super critical. And also, as part of that, I'd wonder, like, um, for those who can't actually go outside and expose themselves to the sun, let's say they live in like in the UK where it stays dark. Um, what about the use of uh, light boxes? Um, have you explored those in detail? We have. We have in great detail, actually. Um, and we started looking at them because the disorder is called SAD or seasonal affective disorder. Essentially, that is depression that is 100% caused or governed by light. Crazy. That's quite crazy because it's like, it, and, and that is verified by doctors and researchers, like this form of depression there's no other cause of it but your light exposure or lack thereof. <laughs> so you're like, and it's becoming so much of a, like the, the rise in SAD is huge. Mm-hmm. And so so the typical answer is, oh, you need to get a light box. And so so from my research and understanding of like, I started looking at these light boxes and going, these are interesting because they've got all the problems I've discussed around already with light, right? So what, what they what they're wanting you to do is grab this light box and turn it on. It's a very, very bright light with light, very high amounts of blue in it and looking to it directly to, and what that's doing is stimulating the serotonin and dopamine because those are mood regulators, right? So if you can stimulate them in the morning, you can get your, your mood up and your sleep. And so that's why people with depression have insomnia as well, because they have low serotonin. Um, And that's what um, antidepressants, generally try to manipulate is your serotonin pathways and your serotonin levels. So the issue with them is very high amounts of blue, narrow bandwidth of blue with an LED light source, a flickering light source as well. So you will, 
you will find some immediate relief again because it's stimulating, it's doing those things with serotonin, but ultimately you're destroying your eyes <laughs> um, and you're not using a natural light source. So we actually, I actually spent about two years looking at this going, how can we actually create something that, that uses the principles of, of what we should be doing in nature and bringing it in inside because yeah, in these, in these places in winter, like the UK, they just don't get enough light during, during winter, short light cycles, um, people's lifestyles. So it's about using full spectrum light plus the infrared. So the infrared is a key element of that because the infrared exposure is actually doing a far better job of actually bringing up your serotonin levels. So we created a light box, a light panel, which has, it has a broad range of near infrared light and it also has full spectrum light, including the blue, but they're, it's all balanced. So you can, so what you can do with that is you can use these, you have, like have it on your desk and you shine it very bright. It's a very bright light source at the face. What, what color is it? Well, it, so full spectrum light looks very bright and white um, um, yeah, yeah. because it, yeah, when it's balanced, it, it, it looks very similar. Like you look at a, a full spectrum light source versus a LED, typical LED, they're both very white. But right. one's void of all the all the other spectrums. So yeah. and, and infrared light is actually non-visible, so you can't see it. So mm-hmm. when you combine those two together, you're you're not replicate. I don't I don't like to say you're replicating the sun because the sun has other um, spectrums in it, like the UV. But you're replicating the light sources from the sun that we need to help with your mood and energy levels and circadian rhythm. So using those using a, a full spectrum light source in the morning that has even amounts of the visible spectrum plus the near infrared light is is the best way to supplement a lack of sunshine. I like, I'd say supplement yeah. because it's not a replacement. Um, there's not there's no such thing as a replacement for the yeah. sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not it's not it's it's, it's it's basically as close as possible. I guess is what you're trying to you're trying to replicate as close as possible to the sun. Maybe do you want to actually break down to my listeners because um, even this is new to me, like understanding the different wavelengths of the sun. You mentioned that the sun has like UVB, UVA, but yeah. then like does it start from like 1 nm to all the way to like, I don't know, to 800, 900? What's the typical sun? Oh, so oh, the sun spectrum? Yes. Yeah. So because you've got you've got – you've got spectrums outside of that. So you go into the infrared and then you go all the way to like X-rays and they're like, they're really high. Wow. Um, so yeah, so you're, um, you've got, so yeah, below, so below 380 to, I think, yeah, I'd have to actually look up where UV starts. I think it's around the, you know, around 100 to 380 is UV light. Then you go into the visible spectrum, right through to to the to red, which goes through to six eighty, and then the the near infrared runs into far infrared. So that's going from like six eighty into near infrared is kind of in the low eight hundreds into early nine hundreds, and then you go into mids in the thousands, um, into close to two thousand is like far infrared. So far infrared is like the real heat light source. So that's why you got like far infrared saunas, yeah. which heat you up. But those, those, that's kind of the spectrum of the sun. That that so you you're starting right down in the UV. You come into all the visible, and then you go right through into the to the infrared. And they all kind of every kind of spectrum from the sun has completely different biological impacts on our body. And it's not 
generally it's not wise to try and isolate one and 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 use it without it being in balance. So for example, like UV light in isolation will cause can cause um, skin damage and cause skin cancer. Mm. Um, but UV light is also essential for health, right? UVB light is what um, we use to create vitamin D, which yes. actually is not a vitamin, it's a hormone. It's one of the most essential hormones in the body. And so even the use of light sunscreen, right, will block UVB. So it's just, it's crazy. Like, And we're, we're being drilled into us that and to be sun smart, go outside, make sure you never, essentially never get your skin exposed to sun without being protected. It's about safe exposure. So you, you need that that exposure to get adequate levels of vitamin D. Mm. It, and some people will just say, oh, well, I could, I could supplement with a vitamin D supplement, right? But again, that's that's not the same as getting sun exposure because there's other biological processes that take place that mm. ultimately ends up with you getting high vitamin D. But um, yeah, so like our light thing doesn't have UV in it. UV is a very, very tricky one to get right because too much of it is going to be a problem. So how do you, it's really quite hard to give someone a panel or something and say, use this, but, you know, be smart about it because the UV side of the spectrum is very, very much breaking down and causing damage to the skin. But when you in- introduce that with infrared, they can't. They kind of cancel each other out. The the regenerative side, and the and the more breaking down side is all unbalanced. So that's kind of like, I like to say like nature has like antidotes to everything, right? So like, yeah, you know, the blue blue light, the antidote is the red light. The UV, the antidote is the the infrared. So when it's in balance, everything kind of works like it should. Yeah. So Daniel, what about like the evolution? I'd love to learn about like the um the path in which you took like the original concept, maybe the first design pair that you maybe thought about, and maybe let's look at the full spectrum of products that you guys offer now. Um, if my audience wants to learn more. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, well, where we started was with the big welding glasses, um, sold them for a couple of years. Um, and I guess where we were evolved to now is a creating different lenses for the different times of the day. So we've actually got four different lenses now. I think we'd be probably one of the only ones that does that. And it's really recognizing that people have different needs as well. So you've got two different daytime lenses. We've got the the clearer looking one, and then we've got the yellow ones, which I'm wearing now. And the key difference between them is the yellow ones are, are more powerful. They're for more people that are more light sensitive, maybe have really bad migraines. They completely eliminate that 455 nanometer spike, but then they allow all the blue light past 455 through, which helps with your serotonin, helps you feel good. So you're getting all the bit, you're t- essentially taking out all the harmful, keeping all the good. So, but people may want the clearer looking ones because they're in a social setting or an office and they want something that looks more normal. And then we go to the nighttime. You've got the amber and then the red ones. So we kind of discussed the ambers blocks 100% of the blue, the reds will block 100% of the blue and green to the 550. And what we've done is we've essentially now got a whole range of different styles and um, and looks for them. And we've also got like, you can do full prescriptions. We've got Essentially, we've got an optics lab now that we, we, we wow. work with. So we can do essentially any prescription, any magnification. Um, yeah, we're pretty equipped in that in that front from the glasses. Where things really get interesting is the lighting for us. Like that's probably where we've um, we've innovated the most. Um, so we've got we've got amber light bulbs that block 100% of the blue light, similar to 
the amber glasses. Then we've got red ones that strip down the green light as well. Um, and one of the biggest innovations we created was um, a full spectrum light bulb. So we talked about full spectrum light and, and why you want that during the day. A common thing we were getting once we started selling these light bulbs is I love your lights. They're awesome for now. I'm getting awesome sleep. But I kind of work in a darker office. What you know? What sort of light should I use during the day? And I was struggling to like recommend anything because I couldn't recommend our lights because they didn't have any blue light in them. And you, and you want the blue light during the day. But I also couldn't recommend conventional lighting for all the issues with it. So I was kind of like, um, go outside, sort of thing, you know. Like, and it's, it wasn't a solution. So we went about how can we actually create a full spectrum light source which has the equal equal levels of all the spectrums. And we did that. We, it took us about a year. We did it, but we actually didn't then release it because I started testing it and I was like, this is not very practical because I've now got these lights here that for, for daytime, they're full spectrum because you don't want these on at nighttime because they've got the blue light. And then I have to have these lights over here, which I turn on at night and it just, it just turned into a mess. So I was like, cause like my partner was like, have you need I'm like, no, you got to turn those ones off. Like, no, 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 no. It's like, <laughs> Oh, Jesus is a mess. So we kind of went back to the drawing board and we're like, how can we actually incorporate both of those technologies into the same bowl? And then um, while still like conforming with the values of our company, which is like ensuring that everything we create is like beneficial for your health and there's no harm in other ways. So things like EMFs needed to be taken into account because there's a lot of smart bulb technology out now. You, you know, you can use your smartphone to control them, remotes and all that. And the issues with them is they're creating a lot of RF radiation in the home, especially if you've got like 40 lights in your home and they're all like transmitting like a Wi-Fi signal. Um, so what we did is we actually were able to create it by literally using a light switch. So you can just turn it off and on and it will change modes. And so what we actually did is created three modes in it. So you've got the full spectrum day mode. Then you've actually got a, a like a, a, a lower blue mode and then a full no blue mode. So you can kind of like use it to, to replicate the different phases of the sun. So it's almost like, a, like we call it like a circadian light bulb. Um, wow. Yeah. And so it's called the biolight. So it's just because it's like for, for, for your biology and it's a, it's a light that aligns with the sun sort of thing. So that's, that's been like the biggest um game changer that we've created i'm pretty proud of that one and um yeah i haven't seen anyone else do it properly like all those other things kind of exist in isolation or they'll have color ones but they don't understand full spectrum light and they don't understand the flicker the flicker is a really really important part of it and that's also a very very hard thing to quantify yourself um without the expensive gear and the issue is there are some companies out there that will say, oh, our light bulbs are flicker-free, <laughs> which yeah. is cool because they're taking advantage of people because they can't test it. <clears throat> so, like, for example, we we've taken our light bulbs and we've given them to uh, building biologists who have all the very expensive equipment to test light sources, mm. and they can essentially validate and, and use, like, $30,000, $40,000 meters that they do home assessments with and go, okay, well, here's the actual levels of flicker. Um so yeah, that's all what we do. We kind of ensure that what we create as a light source is not just like blue light free or one of these elements. It's like incorporating all the issues and ensuring that the light source in your home is is beneficial, is essentially not causing harm to you in any other ways. Is is kind of like we look at when we're creating a product. Yeah, that's great. I just thought about actually if um, if you guys offered a like a concierge service where like let's say I went around my house and I filmed all of the different lights, you know, in different rooms and where I spend most of my time. And I had you guys say, 
install this one here, install that one there, wear, wear these glasses in this room. Like that service to me would be like, like invaluable. I, yep. I would definitely, definitely do that. We do something similar. Like we have people um, like come to us with their house plans and they're like, cool. Like, like how many lights do you think I need? And we'll kind of like, like map it out for them. Cool. Cause a big thing and especially, um, now in like modern homes is recessed down lights are very common now. So they don't take light bulbs anymore. So people are sitting there going, oh, I want your light bulbs, but like I can't, that's like a recessed unit and that's sealed. So we actually sell those now as well. So we're like, um, so we'll quite regularly get like an architect that's working with someone coming to us and be like, yeah, that we want your lights and we'll kind of map it out for them and do like our lighting design. Um, that's kind of something we've been starting to do just to help people, yeah, work out where they need lights and what's going to work well in different situations for them. Yeah, awesome. And um, just for my listeners, so where can they, if they want to learn more, obviously the the website, you want to let them know the website and also um, further resources as well, like you guys on Instagram and, and YouTube, things like that. Yeah, so um, our website is Block Blue Light or um, a word. Um, we've got .com as our, as our main um, site for North America, but then we've also got blockbluelight.com.au for Australia and then .co.nz for New Zealand and then .co.uk for for the United Kingdom. So we've got like local warehouses everywhere just to, to make things work pretty smoothly. In terms of other resources, um, we're pretty heavy on research and blogs. So we're, we've got a whole I'll put it 80 or 90 blogs on our website as well, um, which is really good. And yeah, our Instagram as well, blockbluelightofficial. We... Um, you know, we try and release some educational stuff on there as well. Um, that's that's a big part of what we do is try to break down a lot of the science and, and research and then put it into digestible blogs and stuff for people to understand. Because, yeah, like for a lot of people, it's like overwhelming just to understand like nanometers and this and that. And so, so you know, like it's like we like to look at PubMed and look at research and then try and, yeah, bring that into a digestible form for people to understand it a bit easier. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, you've done a... Terrific job, Daniel, at uh, breaking down the differences in light and also how it impacts our health. For those listening in, I will leave a link to the websites that Daniel just outlined. But yeah, it's great to have you on the show. I mean, this is going to be a really, really high impact uh, episode and I learned so much. Um, so I just wanted to say massive thanks for coming on the show, Dan. Yeah, nah, no worries. I always, always love sharing sharing the message and get it, getting it out there for people to start bringing some awareness to it in their lives. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll be in touch. And um, otherwise, thanks everyone for listening in. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.